So in the beginning, Lisa, there was a string trio, three brothers with the name of Schumann. That had to be a sign. <laughs> and then they acquired a sister uh, in musical terms. Tell us about the brothers and how you came to be the fourth among equals. Well, the quartet exists already since 2007. The funny thing is actually, they do have a fourth family member, like, and it is a sister, and her name is also Lisa. So, <laughs> how extraordinary! And <laughs> she's, she's not a, a violist, is she? She's a violinist. Oh, okay. She's the twin sister of the cellist. Yeah, they were looking for someone, and our former agent, very dear Irene Schwalb, made the contact. We didn't know each other at all. I didn't know the boys. I obviously I heard the name, I knew of them, mm. but I didn't know them personally. So Irene heard me in a, in a solo competition and knew that the boys were looking for someone. So Ken, the second violinist, he, uh, she gave him my, my, my details. So he mm. wrote me an email uh, saying that they were looking for someone. I was like, great, <laughs> why not? Yeah. And they, it was an audition, so we met and it worked straight away. They are a German-Japanese mix, is that yes. the case? Yes. It's an interesting mix, yes. <laughs> temperamentally. Uh, but it's interesting to me that the female, the one woman is at the center of the sound really as a viola player mm -hmm. you know the great british conductor sir thomas beecham he made this remark once that the viola was the hermaphrodite of the string section <laughs> meaning male and female oh yes <laughs> what, what do you make of that remark I mean? <laughs> <laughs> sounds very true to me <laughs> no it's interesting i can absolutely relate to that in both ways, being the fourth member as a female, being able to blend in among like three men, <laughs> yeah. but also stand out as a woman. So yes. Schumann is an inspiring name for a quartet, not just because he was a great composer, but because he was a very radical composer and a great risk taker. Yes. Do you think that reflects the spirit of the Schumann Quartet? <laughs> I do think we're a very risk-taking group. I don't know whether we could relate in that particular sense to the composer, but it's nice to make that connection, of course. Um, well, he was crazy for a start, yes. poor man. <laughs> I don't know, maybe we're crazy too. <laughs> yes, we do play Schumann as well. We like playing Schumann. It's, it's always a challenge. It's very hard to grab his musical language, but it's something we like. Hmm. Any ensemble now has to take account of the changing sound world. String in instruments have evolved, styles have evolved over the years. Do you try to bring a more contemporary take on the music to your younger audience? No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, we have these great idols also from the past. We have the Amadeus Quartet mm -hmm. and, and these are st still groups we, we listen to and we admire and also their sound world mm -hmm. and their philosophy. And I think it's not right if trying to like copy or try to do something like them. It's again something which comes out of the personality mm. of each member and also style. I mean, if, if you 
has a certain personality and a certain style of playing, this is something you can't really change much. If you want to change it, then you have to try hard. And then there is a very small line mm. um, of trying too much and then you can hear that something is not natural. Right. So we don't think about that so mm. much. Yeah. Have you had any specific mentors? One of the most important persons for us is definitely Günther Pichler from the Albanberg Quartet. We studied with him in Madrid and also the Schumann Quartet before me studied with him in Cologne. And now um, we do work also with a person called Eberhard Feltz. He's very famous for string quartet coachings and he's an incredible person, such a personality and this knowledge of music and it's like discovering an, a different language in his lessons because he opens doors you've never imagined you could go through. Is he generally talking about the quartet as a whole or how much one-to-one -one is there? If something is brand new and we've just read it and like started to learn something, then it's more like directed to a certain voice, bringing something, details out. Yes, because they're in the position of the audience. In yes. Sense, you know, you can hear, you hear differently within the quartet. Definitely. But I would say generally in coachings and also from my or our experience, it's about the whole thing because the great thing about string quartet is it can become one voice. So at the end, it's always about the whole thing, I would say. Tell us a little bit about your journey so far and the, the significant moments for the quartet and how you feel the quartet is evolving. Um, well, I would say it's definitely started with winning the Bordeaux competition. That was, for us as a group, a very, very significant thing. Also for me personally, I have to say, because at that time I was only playing with them for five months. So I entered a group and we started, because five months is not so long, yeah. preparing for an international competition, <laughs> not knowing people, yeah. having a huge repertoire, new program, everything. That was quite also a big relief for me as well. Mm. And that definitely helped us and opened for us many opportunities, I would mm. say. big portion of your time must be spent discussing and planning repertoire. How much agreement is there generally about the pieces you should be tackling? For example, what are the pieces that are preoccupying you at the moment? Actually, that's a funny thing, because we don't spend so much time talking about like future repertoire or something like that really? at all. Our second violinist, Ken, is the one who's managing the agency contact and writing all the emails, like all the administrative mm -hmm. uh, stuff one mm -hmm. has to do, and one also has to be good at, and he's doing it very, very well, so... He has a huge job in this group. He is also doing the programs. And I think for us it works very well like this because he knows, I mean, 
of course we kind of like talk about it also casually like oh this piece is nice and I would like to do this and he like remembers everything and knows it but he's the one who decides on program oh, and puts it together mm. and decides well we, we're going to come to the uh, your latest recording in just a moment yeah. but obviously a factor here is with so many ensembles um, committing their work to disc these days you have to stand out from the crowd really mm. um, now the first Schumann quartet disc where you weren't playing with them was a program of Beethoven, Bartok and Brahms, which is already quite a challenging mix, mm-hmm. interesting mix. But now comes an even more extraordinary program. Again, an ARS production. Mm. Mozart, Charles Ives, uh, I'm a huge Ives fanatic, and Verdi, his one and only quartet, uh, very unlikely, really. So t- tell me, what was the thinking behind this program were these all pieces you had previously performed and worked on or were they new for the recording no there were definitely pieces we worked on a lot and we prepared them for a Bordeaux competition as well Uh and Uh there were all three pieces all four of us learned new so that there was a repertoire which was not just new for me because mainly I was like the first year I was busy just learning repertoire all the time because they have played lots of stuff and I just had to learn and learn not many rehearsals and just make sure that it kind of works and we played them a lot and then we just came to a point where we thought yes I mean it's a very adventurous mixture for sure but you look at it uh, you look at the content you immediately say ah that's interesting yes Let's talk about them a little bit individually. The, the Mozart Quartet in D, the first of the so-called Prussian quartets yeah. of 1789. It sounds very challenging when you listen to it because of the independence of, of the part writing in it. One feels that all four voices have a strong independence and a strong identity. Am I right in saying that? Is that what makes it challenging? Definitely. I mean, all the three last uh, quartets he wrote, the Prussian quartets, they're very, especially for the cellist, of course, very independent voices, like totally equal to the first violin. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, so sensitive in a way. It's music you can't like, you can't just go into it completely and like play everything out. Mm. And Mozart has this thing you know it's it's it comes from a different place it's so hard to get there because everyone wants to get there of course that's the thing which makes it most challenging especially when you record it and everyone has their own ideals I mean I think recording Mozart is one of the toughest things well you know it's funny that everybody talks about this golden mean in Mozart the fact that the simplicity is completely deceptive. To achieve that balance and poise takes great artistry and skill. The slow movement, the andante in the piece, is very lovely and recalls one of the arias from Enführung, his opera. But it also has the quality of a popular song as well. It sounds almost like a, a tune you know and is in yeah. the air, you know? It's a lovely movement. Yeah, the second movement, it's like, it's singing, but... It's not a person. I find that very often in Mozart's music, it comes from somewhere else. It's not one person talking. It's not one person singing. It's like a song, but it's there. Hmm. Kind of universal. It's black magic. Yes. (laughs) Extraordinary. (laughs) 
Verdi once described his quartet, I think it's a funny remark, like a plant in the wrong climate. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's not at all what you expect. You expect the piece to be very vocal and you expect it to be very lyrically vocal. Okay. And it's much more intricate than that. It's much busier than oh, yeah. that. Um, it's almost like Falstaff, his last opera. Yeah. You know, that kind of busyness. Yes. Well, you were a Verdi fan when you first heard <laughs> it. Do you like his operas? I do. I really do. And I also think this quartet, it is like a mini opera. It has so many scenes and you can see like the, the, the people walking on stage and then the next scene comes and it's dramatic and then it's singing again. It's about love and then it's about drama. So, But you don't sort of get any, um, what I would call, because he wrote supremely for the voice, but you don't get any real big arias. You get lots of Not so much. intricacy. Yes, there are some in the um, scherzo movement, the big cello moment in the trio okay. that's kind of like an aria yeah. like I don't know a tenor singing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the moment for me at least which comes close to that but yes in general it's very like many scenes and very busy and very virtuosic yes and, certainly that yeah. the prestissimo um, yeah. movement is fantastic and needs to be so incisive yes and articulate yes I mean that takes a lot of rehearsal I would think and planning and like, it takes a lot playing. of uh, individual practice <laughs> and then of course rehearsal yeah. and nowadays you record and you put stuff together and uh, something just work quite well and then you take it from there and you use to take number 35 and for this you use take number five so all these things don't work like that especially when you want to get that feeling across as well it has to work in one take or it doesn't like recording the four of you um do you enjoy recording because it is such a different experience from performing with an audience unless you're recording live of course and some people feel that the spontaneity is slightly killed that there isn't that exciting compact between the audience and the players that you get when you just know when the atmosphere is right you know it's definitely very, very different and very challenging to get exactly that buzz you have in the concert um, also on the CD, especially with that program we recorded. Hmm. Verdi, of course, but especially the Ives, which is very difficult if you don't have a live audience. Yes, the real surprise and revelation at the heart of the disc is the Ives second string quartet. I love the fact that he provocatively saw it as a challenge to what he considered and he used the word emasculated <laughs> string quartet sound at the time. And rather chauvinistically, he subtitles it string quartet for four men who converse, discuss, argue, and then walk up the mountainside to view the firmament. <laughs> it's a wonderful line. But he was such a visionary. You know that whatever form he worked in, 
that it was going to be different from anybody else. And it is such a theatre piece, isn't it, really, that you just feel as though you need that kind of audience participation almost, you know? Yeah, I think that piece, well, we recorded it now, but it only really works on stage. Then you have the tension you need to build up the idea he had for the piece. Because it's like a little story from the start till the end. And when we started learning it, the first thing is very hard, difficult, individually again. So you start reading your own, uh, your own um, s- score and you think, oh my God, well, what is that? Because you, you can't really read through anything. <laughs> it's so complex. And then you start rehearsing it and it becomes like a huge something, like really wound up everything together. And then you start slowly seeing through it, what is in there and you start finding small details all the time and like working them out properly to learn. You have to kind of look into the complexity, don't you? Because even in the orchestral scores, when you've got a thousand things happening at the same time, those great collages that he wrote... Yeah, um, the voicing. Suddenly you start hearing individual details. It yeah. takes a while. It takes it's a while, yes. It sounds like a mess initially. I mean, in the, the movement, the argument movement yes. in the quartet, it really is. It is mess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's the movement where it also really, really should sound like a huge mess. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very exciting to be honest. Also on stage, it's one of the most exciting things to do, actually, because it, the, the audience reactions are also very, very, very different really? after that piece. Really? Yes, knowing that we normally, when we do concerts, we have done both. We have also said something before the piece like a little bit explanation or when there are some program notes and people actually read it to understand what it is about because if you just go to concert and you listen to that piece it might be a little I don't know disturbing but the funny thing is that that's exactly what he wanted so for us it's always very interesting to see how the audience responds yes it's still surprising and shocking even now yeah and look at when he was writing. I mean, his earlier pieces are, what, the end of the 19th century? Or so yeah. it's, it's absolutely staggering how out there he was. visionary last movement which is the bit where they go up the mountain Mm. and view the firmament that is for me kind of essence of ives the start of that movement is so mystical yeah you just know something extraordinary is going to happen what are the quartet's immediate plans then i mean um how many concerts a year roughly and which of the composers you're focusing on so we have a couple of very exciting things coming up now also like projects and programs first of all we have a new agency which is the Agentur's um, Impresariat Simenauer in Germany so and that's started just now so we're just going to find out how everything also program wise and how this is all going to look like but at the moment we're doing lots of very conventional stuff I would say 
Beethoven, Haydn, Mozart. But we're always very interested in contemporary music. We learned a very interesting piece by Helena Winkelmann. She's a Swiss composer. Huge piece and very complex, but really interesting. And for this year, we have we are going to um, learn Schoenbeck number four. I would say we we at the moment at a stage where we try and build up like a, a proper foundation and then see where the journey will take us. <laughs> As a group, do you have similar enthusiasms outside of music and do you socialise well together or do you keep the two quite separate? I don't think we do stuff together outside the quartet, which has not nothing to do with music. But we're also not like trying to separate things. So yeah. we like each other and we spend time together if we want to. Also, I mean, we're travelling and spending time together anyway. And... If someone needs like more like time for himself or something, then we also take time for oneself. So it's are they very different personalities, the brothers? Or yes, I would say so. Yeah. Yes, it's fascinating in itself, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> amazing. Well, let's just go back to the conclusion of the Ives to end this conversation, uh, Lisa, um, and that grandiosity of that close with the big open sky viewed from the mountaintop is really inspiring. The, the feet are on the ground, but there are these shooting stars and the violins. It's an extraordinary texture, sound at the end, isn't it? Yes, I think it's, it's a wonderful picture. It's huge and you can see the mountain, you can see the whole picture. It leaves you with this huge feeling at the end. You, you feel like you've achieved something, literally. <laughs> and it seems to have transcended the the medium of the string quartet and turns it into something really cosmic. Yes. Yeah.